Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Kareem Kanji. I want to thank all of you for tuning in today to the podcast. And I don't know how you're listening to this, but uh, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. Welcome with Kareem Kanji. You can find it on Mixcloud. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify, on Stitcher, uh, anywhere you consume podcasts is where you can uh, find this podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review if you can. Whether you love the podcast, whether you hate it, please just leave a rating and a review. It really helps other people uh, discover the podcast. And the more people discover it, the more they'll hear some amazing stories. Like our next guest, Harnarayan Singh. Uh, he is a author, but he is most well-known for being uh, the play-by-play for Hockey Night Punjabi. Um, just had an opportunity to speak with him and obviously finish reading his book. What an amazing book this is. Many of you know I am not the biggest hockey fan, but reading this book one game at a time, it's really about Canada. It's about the immigrant story. It's about going after your dreams. Wow, what an amazing book and what a fantastic conversation I had uh, with Harnarayan Singh. Uh, we talk about so many things. We talk about him growing up in uh, Brooks, Alberta, who his favorite wrestlers are, um, his uh, love-hate relationship with the uh, Pitts- Pittsburgh Penguins, um, the role that his sister Gurdip played in the success of Harnarayan. Um, we obviously talk about uh, the Don Cherry incident. And we ask Harnarayan one thing people don't know about him, and you really want to listen to this to find out what it is. You'll, you'll actually be a little bit surprised. But uh, this is a great conversation. And uh, listen, if you guys are looking for Christmas gifts to send to people and uh, they like to read, Highly recommend One Game at a Time with Harnarayan Singh. Um, so here is my conversation with Harnarayan Singh. It's a, it's a home basement setup. The light is like right here. Uh, yeah. And so it's like really bad. So, but yeah, this is uh this is part of the industry here. <laughs> Nowadays, right? Uh, since I've been in, so it's my 13th year with hockey, 13th season with hockey night. And it's been like that since uh, for over a decade like that. So 13 years already. 13th season. Yeah. Does it seem to you like it was just a couple of years ago? Um, it, it, I mean, because it was in phases and it started in Toronto and then the show was in Calgary and then now it's been in, in Vancouver, it feels like this, the, the, where we are in Vancouver, it feels like that wasn't very long, but, uh, yeah, because it was in stages, it's, uh, it's, a it 
feels like it's been a while. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I mean, even just reading your book, it's, it seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Was... Let me know when we're started so I stop shifting and everything. We, we've started. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Let's start again. Let's start again. So I, I mostly, I, I'm going to use the audio. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I, I might not, unless someone helps out and I, I, I find time. Uh, yeah. Video is likely not to be used, but oh, uh, I I couldn't have told uh, because your background is so nice and perfect and symmetrical oh, too. Oh, dude! Like if I take off my whatever, like the glue. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I can't read that many books. <laughs> <laughs> I had to read your book. Yeah. And uh, Sammy Joe Small. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Olympic Olympian. Within a, within a week. Oh, okay, okay, cool, Within cool. Week, which was good because it, it enabled me to miss yesterday's debate, presidential debate. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you for, for scheduling <laughs> this today. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I, I want to actually. Why don't we start off this way? Um, why, why now? Why, why release the book at this time? Actually, to be honest with you, the publishers uh, approached me a few years back. And uh, at that time, I had never envisioned writing a book at this time frame in my life in my mid-30s. Um, but their thinking was the same wavelength that I uh, have when I go to talk to high school students and try to provide a, a message of inspiration that, you know, if this can happen to me, uh, you know, anything's possible for any any Canadian kid out there. And so when we talked about that, um, this was prior to um, the incidents of racism coming to the forefront in the hockey world. This was prior to um, the, uh, the murder of George Floyd. So, um, you know, the book, I would say, has become even more timely because mm -hmm. there is um, so there is a message of diversity inclusion in there. There's a message uh, a positive one that um, I think resonates with a lot of people of color. Um, and, you know, I've, I, that's one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I've received is um, there are people from all sorts of different communities who've had a similar experience where, you know, hockey was what brought them closer to their classmates and friends and, and um, you know, other people in their community. So, so I think the book has become more timely than we even originally had thought. Mm -hmm. You, um, the, the way the book is, is, is set up or, or delivered is really interesting. You start off with, you start off with Ron McLean, which, which, uh, which, which was, I, I thought interesting, but even in sort of your first beginning chapters, you know, you talk about, you know, there's obviously this love of hockey, uh, the love of Canada, um, but you took a lot of time to highlight sort of the imperfections uh, of Canada, you know, from, was it your grandfather? My great-grandfather. Your great-grandfather who first uh, came to Canada, sort of some of the issues yeah. uh, that he faced and other six faced. And then you end it sort of uh, very hopeful mm -hmm. um, about, about Canada as, yeah. as a whole, uh, obviously with, with the story of hockey. Um, and then there's this, there's this line that Ron McLean uses 
um, <clears throat> in his foreword, I think he's, he's quoting you, where he says, the pursuit of hockey broadcasting is a bridge to the caretaking of human history. I'm wondering, um, Harna Ryan, if, if you could sort of expand on that for us a little bit. Yeah, so that quote isn't mine, but he, uh, you know, Ron is someone who is a genius with words. And so uh, I'll let him take credit for that. But um, in terms of the, what you, what your perception is in terms of how the book begins, uh, and it's, and it's not a pretty picture of Canada right away. And I think in my experience, it's important for us, especially people in, in my generation and younger to acknowledge that uh, there were a lot of significant challenges that our um, past, you know, ancestors, family had to go through for us to be here today to have these opportunities that we have. I mean, um, when the first South Asians came to Canada, they didn't have a right to buy land. They didn't have the right to vote. Uh, these were all, you know, they faced blatant racism from the federal government who was advocating for a white Canada. Uh, can't even imagine how that was, how unwelcoming that was. And then to talk about my parents' experience in the 60s here and how it was, you know, uh, difficult for them to find um, lentils because they were vegetarian. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I just think that, you know, you have to pay homage to all of those uh, challenges that they faced. And then I also wanted to talk about even uh, the curiosity with me and when I grew up in the 80s, and 90s with uh, with uh, you know a, a very less a much less diverse town of small town of Brooks than what it is today, um, but there was so much curiosity and just having to answer questions about not only my hair, my turban, my appearance, but um, you know there's a fascination out there about the color of your turban and you know I think people find it interesting that you can have some fun with it and mm -hmm. you know it doesn't have to be like a set certain and and so. What I would say is that the way the book ends as hopeful is because it, that's because of me coming, becoming a father and now seeing my kids um, and they are, it's, it's pretty amazing because it's how many years later, but they are huge hockey fans, uh, but they are now able to watch hockey in different languages. They're able to see people who look like themselves on TV. They see more women in TV, just overall, there's been a lot of progress made um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But on the, on the other hand, I don't want them to have to experience racism and the, sure. the topics that we're talking about now. So um, I am hopeful because I'm a patriotic Canadian and I do believe this is the best country in the world for people like myself to have opportunities available to us. So I'm very grateful. But, but the reality is we still have a long ways to go. Absolutely. Um, did you... You know, some of the stuff that I was reading in your book, especially, you know, when you take a look at what has happened historically uh, in Canada, was this stuff that you knew or did you learn a lot of this while you were, I guess, researching the book? Uh, so that's a good question. So I talk about it in the book that when I found out that my family had a history that dated back in Canada over 100 years, that was a very key and revolutionary moment in my childhood where I felt that I all of a sudden had something in my back pocket to answer to uh, people who are making racist comments to me and saying, go back mm -hmm. to where you came from. And 
during that time frame in my life, that's when I did a lot of this research to, to, okay. to, to try to see, okay, so what would it have been like? Um, and so uh, that's why I'm, I'm aware of, you know, Prime Minister Mackenzie King or the Prime Ministers of that time, what they were saying, um, the Kamagata Maru incident, I, you know, that's something I was passionate about when I was younger. Um, and, you know, there's a, a, a great documentary film uh, called Continuous Journey that I watched, and there's a book mm. about it as well. And, um, and then also in research for this book, I talked to some family members as well, just to, just to get some more personal experiences of what, what it was like for my great grandfather. But I was aware of that uh, when I was younger, because it was something that was so absolutely revolutionary for me to be able to say back to other people. And it really, it really pumped me up as being um, a patriotic Canadian uh, as to what I am today. Yeah. There's a story, I don't know if it's halfway or just more than halfway through your book where you talk about this. Um, I think it's a CBC story you're working on. Um, and it's about your last name, Singh. That's right. Um, I, I, I'm trying to, I, I can't imagine sort of the feeling that you would get like the, the punch in the guts to know that your last name was not accepted uh, in, in the, you know, the distant past. Um, tell, tell me about the, that must have been an exciting story, you know, at the end of the day, you know, all, it went national, it was a national story, there was a lot of press. But I, I'm, I'm wondering sort of the research for that story, uh, how, how that was for you. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible that it came off of a hunch that my dad had. Uh, because uh, when when my parents came in the 60s and the 70s, there were families coming with the last names Kaur and Singh, which are given to us in the Sikh faith. And uh, but, you know, in, in more recent history, that wasn't happening. So my dad had a hunch that there was something going on. I really think that had they had had this policy been in effect for other common last names, it it wouldn't have been as big of an a big of a deal. The fact that it was singling out a certain community—that's um, where it be. That's where you know you you the community becomes impassioned about it too. And it didn't take me very long to find someone who was in that situation who had received documentation from Immigration Canada saying that uh, you know you're not allowed to apply for immigration to Canada with these certain last names. So. It was a very fascinating uh, situation, but as I mentioned in the book, it taught me again the power of media that you can, you know, can put out a story out there on on a Monday, and by by the next week, you know, they have to reverse the policy. And I, I give credit to the CBC for being so thorough too, because we, you know, it's not like nowadays where. Um, you can just kind of throw it out on social media and you That's don't right. necessarily have to fact check or you don't have to have multiple sources or, you know, and they made sure that before I put this out there, I had to find someone who had, you know, received this info and was going through it. And so we, we kind of, uh, all of those, uh, all of the, we ticked marked, uh, check marked all of those boxes and then went through with it. So it was, it was a thorough story and then it and ended up, uh, they ended up having to reverse it within a week. Wow. Imagine that, eh? Changing, changing a lot, changing history almost. It's, it's interesting. I just, it, it just came into my mind. So my family's from East Africa mm -hmm. uh, and there are, I want to say five brothers. So my dad and four brothers. 
and they almost all have different last names. Um, and I've, we've always, all the cousins, are, we're always asking, okay, hold on, why, why are you Chiranias? Why are you Kasims? And why are you Kanjis? Yeah. You know, when, when we call him, you know, our grandfather Bapaji. Why is, yeah. why is, why is Bapaji Kanji? And, but there's three different. Yeah. And they give stories like, ah, you know, who's writing a name and they just pick this name and that. But I, it'd be interesting to, to ask further to see if that's the truth or if there's anything to this. Uh, like if Kanji was, uh, or Kasim was a name that, yeah. that wasn't allowed. That's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, family stories. Wow. Tell me about Brooks. You, you said Brooks used to be the small town. Uh, no diversity. Is, is it different now? I, I don't even know if you, you go to Brooks often anymore. Is, is family still there? No family there, but um, still have friends there. And, uh, you know, my we've been able to carry on my dad's legacy of, as a teacher there. So he's retired now, but we've set up a scholarship under his name. So every year uh, we go uh, to award the Dr. Santok Singh First Canadian um, Scholarship and award it to students there. And then my, the high school has also inducted me onto their wall of fame. So I've gone and spoken to nice. uh, the high school at an assembly as well. And um, <clears throat> that town will always have a very special place in our hearts because uh, we were there for so long and um, we did receive a lot of love too. And it was just, you know, I, it, the, the funny thing is uh, even though it's been how many years since we've moved on from there, my parents are still known as Brooks Valley, which means uh, the family from Brooks or here's the couple from Brooks. And so, um, so you know, in our, our culture, it's kind of auntie and uncle are the names. Yeah. So people will call them Brooks auntie and Brooks uncle. And so it's, it's quite, uh, we've carried that on. And, you know, it's pretty fascinating. Like I just received some messages even with the book coming out Um there was a, a girl who went to school there and she said that uh, she'd heard so much about us uh, and that, you know, she, she was the recipient of my dad's scholarship as well. And she said, you know, the teachers still talk about you guys and it's so inspiring. And, you know, it makes me emotional just to even talk about it. And then she, she said she was so excited to read the book because, you know, she'd grown up there and walked those same hallways and things like that. So it's pretty incredible the the impact that you can have. My my parents are just um, just stand up great people who have you know really lived and worked honestly and always tried to have given back to their community. Yeah. Did you always want to get into hockey broadcasting? Oh yeah, that yeah. was. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be a player. I mean, we weren't <laughs> skaters. Uh, I wasn't probably big enough and strong enough to be a, an NHL player. This is the next best thing. And I was a talker. I'm the youngest of four siblings, um, you know, and, and as a kid in school too, I was very passionate about hockey. I was obsessed with it. my hockey card collection, which I still have was very extensive, meticulous in terms of how I ordered it. And I was memorizing so many yeah. facts uh, about hockey that my dad who has a PhD in math uh, seven post-secondary degrees and he used to worry and say to me that you're making your mind into this encyclopedia of hockey like what are you going to do with this and lo and behold I ended up uh, you know working in the industry so so yeah that that passion was always there like I and my parents encouraged it in the sense that uh, they got me a toy microphone set so I could emulate the announcers and 
Um, even in moments of discouragement, my parents were saying that, you know, you, this is your dream, you're young enough, give it a shot. And if, if it doesn't work, you can always resort back to, they, they would always say, you know, like the South Asian mentality, the doctor, engineer, lawyer, um, even, even in, up until very recently, I guess up until I started getting some more um, opportunities on the English side, my dad was always still telling me that, you know, you can always go back and teach broadcasting. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so yeah, so That's amazing. it's been a pretty crazy journey. Yeah, well, forget about doctor and lawyer and engineering. You you almost became a musician, like proper. Yeah, music has been a really, really big part of my life. So as much as hockey, and so the tabla is something that I've uh, was my first passion, and I really uh, enjoyed playing that. And I've been able to play that with uh, sick musicians around the world, and then the harmonium as well. So I've yeah. been. I'm, I've been one of those, like, in a, in a hockey lineup, you can move me up and down the lineup. Like, I can play left wing, right wing, center, or the first line or the fourth line, whatever it may be. And so, uh, being that utility guy, I've been able to uh, help out with a number of, um, uh, with a number of musicians on tours uh, throughout uh, Canada, the U.S., and then also played at the Golden Temple a number of times in Amritsar in India as well. Wow, wow. And is this still something you do in the quote unquote off season? Yeah, this is a hobby. And um, okay. so I've actually, uh, with two other North American born uh, friends of mine, we've created a group. Uh, so Atham Jyot is from Yuba City, California, and Gurpreet from Surrey, BC. And yeah. the three of us, uh, we try to get together once or twice a year to to perform and and tour and so uh it, we're, we're care the three of us are carrying out our uh sick music youth and dreams in that sense too so still still moving forward with that and the my kids who are five and three they are both fans of hockey and both fans of youth and so it's it's really cool to see that coming full circle as well that's amazing there are very this might go into a little bit about you know what you talk to students and kids about but very, very, very few people get the opportunity to pursue their dream as their job or as their career, as their life. Um, what, what, do you, what do you talk to kids about? Because here you are, you know, literally living your dream every day. Um, what do you talk to kids about when they say, how do you do it? Or how do you encourage them? Or, or what do you talk to them about? Well, I tell them a bit about the story that uh, in my childhood with a small town uh, situation and I was very different and I you know, listened to different music, spoke a different language at home, ate different food. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was it was defying the odds. And there was because I was constantly also told that this probably wasn't going to come to fruition, that this was impossible. And then the fact that we just kept at it, kept at it and had to do things in a completely different way, like pay for my own flights and just, you know, go above and beyond. And, and the message is, is that, you know, if you stick to a goal and you have a passion and a dream, we're living in a country where it's possible and I'm proof of that. And so that's yeah. my, that's my message to them simply is, is that you got to go for it and don't let anybody ever tell you it's not, it's not possible. Yeah. I think one of the important things is that is to realize as well is that we never make it alone. It's never, 
you know, self-made person or self-made millionaire, whatever the case is. And I, I think in your case, um, you might not be where you are without your sister. Yeah. So she's, she's, she's been very pivotal in helping you make certain decisions or encouraging you to follow yeah. what you want rather than ah, not now, maybe. Uh, yeah. And, and my mom always says to this day too, that I can't make a decision alone, that I always have to ask someone for advice. And I'm like, and I'm trying to always justify it by saying like, if you have people there for advice, like why not get their advice, right? You'll make a better decision. But yeah, yeah most definitely, uh, uh, Gurdip has been uh, such a, she's played such an integral role. She is so selfless, so loyal uh, in the sense that she will drop everything and anything of her own to help somebody. And that's what she did with me in so many different uh, areas of my life, whether it was, as you're referring to, um, whether I was going to even apply for a certain TSN internship That's when I right. was in broadcast school. Uh, and then even when I moved out to Toronto to, you know, taking time out, flying out there for me to figure things out um, back in a day when we didn't have GPS on our phones and, and things like that. And yeah, just, just even, even in terms of helping um, the obsession with hockey in terms of my room and creating the Gretzky shrine in there and then, helping, um, you know, organize to take me to games like Gretzky's last game ever uh, yeah. in the NHL that he played in Calgary or going to those charity golf tournaments and all that. Like she had such a big role and uh, she's such a great person. I've, uh, you know, one of those people that the world has nothing but good things to say about. And so we're so lucky to have her in our family. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really special for sure. I can imagine. Um, yeah, I, as soon as you started talking about her and stuff, and I go, wow, like her name kept on coming up yeah. throughout your life and, and how pivotal um, she she was in it. Um, your your first experience in, in broadcasting was, is it Q13? That's maybe? right. Yeah. 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 Tell, yeah. Tell me, tell me about how that came up. So I ended up becoming friends in high school with another boy, a classmate whose father was also teaching at the high school, which was my situation. So we kind of bonded over that. And uh, so his name's Mark Schultz. And we, we kind of walked around the school like we owned it. And we would go into the, the teacher staff room. And, you know, if we wanted to have tea or uh, coffee or if we wanted to use their computers and photocopiers we would just do whatever we wanted because we felt like no one could stop us because we were a, a dynamic duo with both of our dads being teachers at the high school and so he was uh, he was the type of guy who was pretty vocal as well and uh, he was really po passionate about politics and so we kind of got along in that facet but also he would you know do morning announcements at the school and as we became friends I learned he was doing uh, news in high school. Um, he was doing news and sports uh, on the f for the high school on the radio station. And so he invited me to come along with him one day. And I was like, are you sure they're going to just let me come in? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so through him, I met this fellow named John Petrie, who's the station manager at the one radio station in Brooks. And uh, John Petrie is still the station manager uh, in Brooks at, at the radio station to this very day. Oh so it's goodness. such an incredible story. And 
so this this gentleman um we walked in the door and he was just like you know i did not feel any sort of um pressure i didn't feel any um you know prejudice or anything like i just felt welcomed with open arms and he, he explained what we needed to do and um mark and i it was such a hit that we started doing this together and so many people in the community began to talk to us about it. The, the radio station was getting feedback. We started getting more segments. Uh, <laughs> we started getting to the student of the day thing. Our, our segments became sponsored. Like it was, it was really cool. And so much so that Mark and I ended up being the highlights in the Brooks uh, rodeo parade one year or two during that time. And we were on the Q13 van and, um, you know, so that was really the only reason why I decided to actually pursue uh, broadcasting because I had been told that this wasn't going to be for me and that it was uh, impossible because of how I looked. But uh, I thought that, hey, if these if Q13 radio and these people who are, you know, not diverse, but they they're willing to give me a shot then maybe somebody else will down the road. And that's literally the reason why I decided to go into broadcasting and, and then go for it. Because up until then, I hadn't had any sort of tangible encouragement other than my, you know, my family. And so this was like tangible evidence that, hey, you know, you should go for it. Yeah. I know, I'm curious about this one. I know you were a huge wrestling fan. <laughs> uh, back in the day, Saturday, Saturday, was it Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons? Nothing yeah. much on yeah. TV. So you, so you graduated to, or you gravitated uh, to uh, to wrestling. I'm curious, are you still a wrestling fan these days? Not as much. I can't keep up with it. There's there's <laughs> too much going on. But I mean, back in the day, Brett the Hitman Hart and him being from Calgary. And then, you know, they, they even uh, have a hockey team here named after him, the Calgary Hitman. And then uh, the Ultimate Warrior, and you know, I, we used to we used to pay attention to it, Hulk Hogan and stuff back in the day. I mean, yeah. which kid, which Canadian kid didn't, right? So That's it right. was uh, it was pretty cool uh, keeping up with it then. And I had my favorites, but nowadays it's it's tough to keep up with it, especially with uh, being a dad and just being so busy traveling with hockey and and all that. Yeah, I'm I'm trying, Carter Ryan. I'm trying to see the photos behind you i know there's two of gretzky so right? there's there's a gretzky cereal box so back in the day there's yeah. a pro stars, pro stars and so we've kept a bunch of those in mint condition <laughs> um this is a grade six uh project of mine an autobiography it's called my life on the front i have a a Gretzky hockey stick and it says Easton aluminum, which is the one he used when he was with the Kings. And inside that book, I I've written that when I grew up, I want to be a hockey commentator. Jeez. And uh, so then this one uh, on top here is when I met Gretzky uh, when the NHL celebrated 100 years in LA. And I, I actually, we, my colleagues and I were having lunch in the same restaurant coincidentally with him and, uh, we got to chat and it was it was great meeting him there as well. And then here's the book. And then yeah. as well as uh, Sidney Crosby and I having a conversation okay. in 2016 after the Benino call when I was in Pittsburgh with my colleagues for the Stanley Cup parade. Here's Benino, the Benino, 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 Benino t-shirt that was the best selling item that year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, <laughs> and then Heroes Hockey, this jersey, uh, because mm -hmm. I'm on the board of directors with Heroes Hockey, a wonderful charity. They take in um, kids 
who are vulnerable uh, and you know high risk kids they take them in in grade four and they keep them till grade 12 and so mm -hmm. what's amazing is is that with the excuse of hockey the mentorship they receive and the impact on their life is just tremendous so i'm very passionate to be a part of them That's as well amazing uh, so for the first time you have put the penguins on the same level as Gretzky. <laughs> like yeah, before. and there's <laughs> yeah, there's also a picture with the Mario Lemieux as well. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, you know, in this visual, you don't get the full effect of the entire <laughs> wall. But the Pittsburgh Penguins have a very uh, they're very near and dear to my heart because of that whole experience. And they rolled out the red carpet. But we even went back a year later because we were such rock stars there. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's something so special. And, and just those moments where you know, Mario Lemieux hugging me and saying, you're a part of Pittsburgh Penguins history and part of our family. And the, the coach telling us that he was using our goal calls to amp up the players in their video sessions uh, wow. as a team. Just, it, I don't think you can get as close to a, a, a championship run as we were uh, <laughs> in 2016 during that time. That, did, you, did you have to break his heart by telling him, listen, I used to... <laughs> disrespect the hockey cards and put you guys away at the back <laughs> or, or is he going to find out when he reads the book <laughs> yeah i think they'll find out when they read the book <laughs> let's leave a, it that way it was amazing just reading that i go wait a second he just got you just you start off with the parade i go what <laughs> yeah and then uh and ron mclean has pointed that out to me a couple of times too he found that really ironic as well yeah it's it's just amazing um how it comes together i'm just I, i'm being cognizant of the time uh, Harner Ryan, but I'm wondering if I can yeah. get two more questions in. Sure. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I, I told you I had a chance to speak with Sammy Jo Small. Um, she came on the podcast a couple of days ago, in fact. Um, cool. uh, so she has that book, The Role I Played. And then maybe a year ago, um, I spoke with um, Sean Fitzgerald of The Athletic. Um, okay. He wrote that book, Before the Lights Go Out. I don't know if you've Come across I haven't, that book. I, I've I've uh, I've seen it. I haven't read yeah. it yet. I, yeah. So it's interesting. I've asked Sam, Sammy this question. I want to get your take on it as well. Um, so in Sean's Sean's book, before the lights go out, you know, he's talking about, you know, obviously him and his family, the kids, everyone plays hockey. There's that love of hockey, um, but then he also, you know, points at numbers and shows, you know. Also, anecdotally, that, you know, maybe less kids are playing. There's, you know, obviously in Canada, especially Toronto, the growth of, of, of basketball. Um, you have, obviously have people coming from all over the world and they bring their culture and their sports and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and he talks a, a lot about what needs to be, quote unquote, fixed if we want, if people who care about hockey want hockey to sort of be that sport for all Canadians. And then in Sammy's book, Sammy Joe's book, you know, obviously she's talking about women's hockey and hockey from her perspective. And at the end, she, she talks about how women's hockey is growing. More girls are playing, more women are playing. Um, obviously, you've, you've got um, a number of women on Hockey Night in Canada now, um, or, or at least even, even in the, the different sports uh, networks in Canada. Um, I'm curious about your take. And so Sammy, there's, there's obviously hope. Uh, in, in Sean's book, it's like wanting there to be hope, but you know, it doesn't look good. What are your thoughts on 
hockey and Canada? Well, I, I can take a, a, a stab at this from the perspective of Hockey Night Punjabi, where yes. we are seeing um, we are seeing growth at the grassroots level. When you have families come up and tell you that uh, you know they weren't necessarily as much of a fan before the show, but because they've become fans after watching, and they put their kids in minor hockey. That is, that's proof right there. You you talk to the Surrey Minor Hockey Association in British Columbia, where more than 80% of the kids are South Asian. And the president there says that all of the kids talk about watching Hockey Night Punjabi. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and you hear from families where it's generations sitting together now. It's a tradition Saturday night and they're watching it. So I, I would, my hope is, is that those seeds that we're planting, uh, that's at some point in, they're going to come to fruition where we see more diverse names in um, in the big leagues. And I think once we get to that point, that's going to help provide more inspiration. Uh, if you have uh, an ethnic name on the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Vancouver Canucks, uh, there's going to be instant interest uh, from the community. There already is in interest from the community. It is popular, but to take it to the next level, there's a few mm -hmm. certain things that need to happen. Um, I will say though that we, we do need to do a better job in terms of introducing the sport to new Canadians and you know whether that's having them attend a free practice and make, making them feel welcome at the arena. Um, I'm on this fan inclusion committee with the NHL under Kim Davis now and um, some of the things we've been talking about in our meetings are okay so if we in, invite new fans to new people potential new fans to the hockey arena once they get there how can we make them feel more involved and make them feel more welcome right and I think mm -hmm. Um, having having more diversity in the arena in terms of the in-game presentation uh, on the show. I think all of those types of things will have an impact. Um, even with Hockey Canada, if they have uh, if they have information available in different languages, if you have uh, free sessions for, for families to just come and try out the sport, we're going to have to do more things at the grassroots level uh, to, to get to the, where we want to be. But then also, on the, it, it, you, when, if you want grassroots to have success, you need help from the, the, uh, you know, the television and the radio side too. And so that's why I think with both of those facets working together, we, we can do more. And the third point I want to make is yeah. um, it, it, it really just, it, the team, the local NHL team having success is a big deal. The Toronto Maple Leafs have yet to, uh, you know, get past the first round they've had a great team now for the last while if they were able to get over that hump and make it further we would this wouldn't be as much of a discussion obviously the raptors have done a great job promoting diversity and they've had a lot of success but whether that's in vancouver edmonton calgary ottawa if those teams have more recent success i think that would also help contribute to to you know creating more fans as well that is, yeah that is so true um, you, you end off, part, part of ending off the book is obviously the, um, uh, the Don Cherry incident. Um, and I think you, you handled that uh, with class, with, uh, with dignity. Um, if, if someone like myself was in your position, <laughs> I might have said things off color at the very least, but I, th I think you handled it uh, as a professional. Um, I, I don't, I may have missed it in the book, but I'm curious whether 
uh, and, and, and if it's private, I totally understand. But uh, I'm curious if you, if you, uh, whether it was right away or soon after, called Ron to talk to him. Hey, what happened? Uh, I'm curious if, if that ever came up. Actually, um, I did send him a, a, a text. So, to be so, what happens is I did mention. I think um, so. What happened first is. Uh, it was a Saturday night and we were on the hockey night Punjabi broadcast. So we were, we were not, we were not aware right away. Uh, we weren't watching coaches corner. We found out through social media. Okay. And um, so then we decided, okay, you know, we're going to just do something nice to show, take a picture. We're all wearing poppies. We have been on the broadcast during that time frame for how many years um, one of the more difficult comments that was harder to take was people saying that, oh, these guys just decided to put on poppies because of what Don Cherry said. And it's kind of one of those moments mm. where you just, you know, you're, sure. you're like, are you kidding me? Um, and and so we took a picture with ourselves on the set and saying, you know, um, we'll see you next week, Canada. And we and it was just a subtle something subtle because people were wanting us to say something and stand up and um, so the next morning when I was boarding my flight to go home after calling those games, I received a message from, uh, Ron McLean that said, thank you. And, um, I know he was inundated with tons of stuff. I, I wouldn't, I don't envy being in the position that mm -hmm. he was in, uh, because I know who Ron is as a person and he's, he's the furthest thing from being, he's the furthest, furthest person from being racist. He's actually so genuine. He's very uh, open-minded he's so in the sense where he's such a classy respectful person where he he treats everyone with so much respect and love and uh, so I knew I know who he is as a person so people who were calling him out I wasn't comfortable with that either and so I sent him a, a message back saying that you know irregardless of what people are saying out there you know I know the type of person you are and you know, you have my, whether it means something or not, you have my support and I totally back you. And, and, and so, you know, we were able to get together at one point and have a coffee and, and, and just talk about it all. And, and that was really, that was really good for us to do because obviously he was in the thick of it and yeah. uh, you know, he had to come out and make a statement right away the next day, which was, it felt like to me almost like, prime minister or president coming and addressing the nation when when ron did that the next day and it was a sigh of relief to to hear everything he had to say too because there was i was feeling a lot of pressure personally my colleagues from hockey night punjabi were um but it was it was good for us to go over it i'll, I'll never forget that day when we sat down and just he, you know he told me everything that was going on um, and I told him everything that I was going was going on with me because my life basically stopped for two weeks because I had so much media to do yeah. and and we you know you when your community gets singled out then you gotta you gotta stand up and explain why why everybody feels offended and it sure. creates that us versus them mentality when you say you people and you mention Mississauga and it's just like we all know that's a very very diverse place in Canada mm -hmm. uh, and and then it's also just it's um, it's ridiculing and ignoring the rich history that, um, you know, South Asians have had contributing to the world wars. I know there's been thousands and thousands of Sikhs who fought with the allies 
and and so you know that's why that's why this conversation needed to be had and that's why it was addressed in the book as well a difficult situation because don mm-hmm. cherry's such an icon personally i don't have any sort of i've never had a personal conflict with him any times i've met him but it needed to be explained why the community was feeling the way they were yeah absolutely uh i'm going to steal a couple more minutes of your time Ryan, if that's okay, okay probably just i the the, the last one Okay, the key thing is I have to go drop my daughter off to kindergarten. So Okay, tell me so. one thing people don't know about you. <laughs> That's tough because it's such an such an open book. Um, an open book. <laughs> I okay, so I'll tell you um I don't tie my own ties. <laughs> you can you you finally learned how to do your turban. Well, yeah, well that's that's fine. I I'm, I'm I'm much better at that now. Obviously, I've been doing that since grade 5 because I uh, had to go on a trip without my dad. Um but yeah, I I don't tie my own ties because I don't do a very good job at it. Wow. And uh for years and years my dad has the perfect ties and I just had him to lean off of and now my wife uh does a great job and it's like my ties are horrible so like why should I even bother, right? That is awesome. The you just book, got a major secret there. <laughs> there you go. The book is One Game at a Time: My Journey from Small Town Alberta to Hockey's Biggest Stage, uh written by Harnarayan Singh. Uh this book is amazing even if you're not a hockey fan. Uh definitely read it. You will learn a lot about Canada. Thank you so much for for being on. No, thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words about the book. I really appreciate it, Kareem. You're welcome. Be well. Yeah, you too. Stay blessed.